Welcome to No Stone Unturned with Frank and your boy Cynic. Let's go. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to No Stone Unturned. This is episode 6. I am your co-host Cynic and the uh, man hiding behind the curtain. What up, mother lovers? <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Let's do it. Yes, sir. So we're back this week with a somewhat of a follow-up to last week's episode. We're going to get into that shortly. But before that, we got to do the weekly ritual. Mr. Frank has something for us. I think we need some theme music, man. We need to start amping up this production. <laughs> okay. I can add that somewhere. Right, guys let's do it so you know that we always have a weekly fun fact of the day for you uh fun fact of the week sorry for you so today's fun fact is a pharaoh once lathered his slaves in honey to keep bugs away from him and it states the pharaohs of ancient egypt were believed to be literally divine the word pharaoh itself means great house as in the house of god in fact king pepe ii who supposedly ruled for 90 years thought so highly of himself that when he was bothered by insects, he would command that one of his slaves be covered in honey to lure the flies away from himself. So there we go. That is messed up. Yeah, I mean, really, (laughs) there was no end to their their ridiculousness. You know, uh, too much gnats. Go lather yourself in honey and call their attention. So that's uh, this week's fun fact, man. You know, there was some sort of ancient form of torture where they also used honey. I think oh. I think they, they, they put, I mean, don't quote me, but I think they put the accused like in a box or something with like holes in it. And I mm-hmm. think they also lathered them with honey. And for some reason, I'm thinking they maybe they, it was some kind of a boat. I think they were on water. The the point is they were locked in there somehow, um, and the box or whatever had holes so that mosquitoes, bugs, oh, bees, no. whatever could get in, and uh, yeah, that is horrible. Shit. Yeah. You remember La Tortura China? Yes, I mean I remember. The term. Was there any truth to that? That they would hold you down and let one drop of water fall. Um, they would tie you down, right, and then have one drop of water fall. Yeah, was on that your head it, or right? Something. On your head until yeah. it drilled the hole. I never head. looked into it, but I would assume that they tried it at least. Yeah, I mean, humanity's sick. <laughs> That's some shady stuff, man. That's some shady stuff. Humanity is sick, and that actually ties a in segue. <laughs> a little bit to what we're going to talk about today. So, if you remember last week, the subject was ding, ding, ding rituals and when we were talking about rituals we talked about one tribe in particular towards the end of the episode um and how 
screwed up uh, that whole situation was with the mass rituals uh, sacrifice of children. And Frank and I were talking about that as well as um, another ritual, the one that's performed or done um, to the widows in a tribe in Nigeria, was it? In Africa? I think it was Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And so... In, the Isuku tribe. Yeah, in, in all that talk, we were kind of discussing how screwed up people are. Um, more generally, I was thinking about how screwed up things are uh, as a whole. Uh, and when mm -hmm. I say things, I mean life. Um, yeah, I know there's plenty of beauty out there. There's plenty of good stuff. Uh, I get that. Uh, I'm talking about if you think, if you step back and think about it as a whole, uh, right next to all the, those good things, there's so much that is bad or painful or, you know, maybe even torturous. I mean, the stuff that we do to each other, the stuff we do to the planet, the stuff we do to animals, right? And so mm -hmm. getting into that and even the stuff we do to ourselves, like how life just, yep. how life is, you know, and that, that whole thing just got me thinking. And there's a particular group out there. I'm already screwing up because they're not a group, but a philosophy <laughs> out there, I guess, um, that tries to reconcile that. Because if you know the Christian and I'm talking about Christianity because this is what we're used to growing up in the States, mm -hmm. right? Most people there are, or at least us growing up, we were exposed to the Christian religion. Um, you know, they have their explanation for why things are the way they are. And, you know, it's the whole, the first sin and how we're kind of paying for all that and uh, all these adversities that we live through in life are ways for us to... Um, fight through and have our faith and trust in God and the goal being that at the end if you did everything that you should have done then you'll end up in heaven that's what they say and if you screwed up then you'll end up in hell that's right? what they say as far as I know that's still what, what the ma main Christian belief mm -hmm. is there were others in the very very early days of Christianity before Christianity was a religion um, that had other ideas about how, why things are the way they are. And so, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Gnosticism, Gnostic philosophy, Gnostic thought, call it what you want. But basically, Gnosis, this sort of way of explaining the world, the, the way of explaining life and why it is the way it is, and how they saw the so let's say the the end goal mm -hmm. uh, what they were what they believed um, we should be working towards so what do you think when i researched and really got into it as far as gnosticism and what was to believe you know that they kind of went by or, or believed in um, I was definitely, I was taken back by some things, but on other things I was like, hmm, I can see, <laughs> I can see mm -hmm. uh, what they mean there. Some of the things was left field, you know, and I even came across something where they were believed to, to eat babies, you know? So some of the things were left field. I don't, I don't know if they went to that extent, uh, but it's definitely interesting. Not only seeing how they 
kind of viewed spirituality, but definitely interesting seeing how like human beings, how people could progress, you know, as far as religion goes, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were, even though Gnosticism was never believed to be a religion, um, as far as uh, an actual religion, right? Like, you know, Christianity. Um, but again, they were at the, the very beginning and a lot of their things were believed to be outlandish. Um, I, w- I found that the word Gnosticism comes from the word gnosko, which means knowledge in Greek. So when you think about its name meaning knowledge, kind of like enlightenment, I can see why some people did follow them, you know? Um, and again, a lot of the stuff that I came across was interesting. I can't say I agreed with everything. I definitely don't think they're evil, um, just my opinion. And maybe I'm letting the cat out of the bag a little too soon on the episode. Maybe we should have built up to that. But um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I, I found it very interesting, and it was really cool to kind of learn more about what they're about, you know? Yeah, definitely. So... As you said, so Gnosticism comes from the word Gnosis, which means knowledge in Greek. And there, the whole Gnostic philosophy is actually, uh, surprise, surprise, rather complicated. Um, Definitely. It's, Many layers. Been, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, there's been so much time that's passed since the very early days of when this thought or whatever was, was sort of percolating in in. Yeah, back in the sort of Middle East and since back in the day where where the this philosophy was sort of growing. So one thing that I want to that I want to mention is are you familiar with the term or the phrase history is written by the victors? I have not come across that phrase, no. Okay. So uh basically whoever wins gets to write the history, whether you're talking about the battle between two countries or two people or whatever Mm -hmm. the victors are the ones that get to write the story of what happened and how it happened and that means that the story that comes down to us when we're reading about it is going to be to say the to say the least is going to be one-sided right Mm -hmm. because the take rome for example when rome conquered you know all the various civilizations that they conquered and they had their scribes or whatever taking notes about what happened. You best believe that Rome was painting a very pretty picture about what happened and how it happened. Yeah. And a lot of that is what made its way down to us. And so this is what we call history. Uh, the only hope we have is that sometimes you have um, other sources that you can use or that, you know, those experts and scholars use to kind of compare and see and then sort of build a more accurate picture. The reason I bring that up is because it's no different with religions, right? So Christians or Christianity, um, and I'm going to probably offend some people in this episode, but that's fine. It's all right to ruffle some feathers, man. Let's do it. (laughs) Christianity started out as a cult. So let's just be clear about that. Mm. Christianity didn't start out as this very well put together uh, religion like we know it today and like, you know, we've known it for the last however, you know, probably at this point, a couple of thousand years. Mm-hmm. It started out as a cult, and there were many different forms of thought going on at the time 
between Christianity or what you know the early days of Christianity and the and Judaism as well and there were a lot of different sort of forms of thought competing in those days uh, and to make a very long story short Christianity for various reasons which you can read about historically um, are the ones who managed to get a foothold they're the ones that managed to get the support from the right people at the right time to push a particular form or you know form of thought mm -hmm. and establish it right uh, for example I mean the Christians were persecuted by the Romans um, for a long time and they would often get thrown into the gladiatorial ring alongside with you know other slaves or whatever to be eaten by lions for the you know for the entertainment of Romans but eventually Christians probably sorry you're saying Christians were yeah the Christians the Christians yeah they were just thrown in there because they were persecuted because the, the thing with the Christians is that they their belief at that time again when they were still a, a cult uh, was that Jesus there was one God and that was uh you know, the true God and Jesus was his son. Or if you, you know, you find some Christians today who believe that Jesus was God or is God. So that there's still disagreement about that. But they believed in one so-called true God. And they wouldn't pay uh, homage or worship the emperor of Rome, who at the time uh, was, he called himself a God on earth. And so one of the stipulations when you were uh, taken over by Rome, if you managed to live, was you needed to pay taxes to Rome. You needed to uh, be a, uh, available to help them fight. So join their, their troops or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, um, and you needed to, to worship or pay homage to the emperor as a god. They didn't necessarily make you stop believing in your own religion. That's the funny thing. You could do whatever, you could worship whatever alongside, but you had to do those things. And the Christians never wanted to do that because they were for, for them it was like a heresy or whatever. Uh, but eventually an emperor became or, or converted to Christianity. And that probably was the biggest thing that put Christianity in the form that we know it today on the map. Yeah, this this uh, Roman emperor who today is my day of brain farts, so I don't know, I can't think of his name right now. Um, I think it was Constantine. Uh, he converted to Christianity and he made it all of a sudden, uh, did not this taboo thing, but like the actual main religion of Rome. Wow. Okay, so I'm sorry that I digressed. And I've heard about, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that that side of it, but definitely uh, interesting seeing how, how it all pieced together, if you will. Yeah, um, I went off on a tangent a little bit to try and explain sort of where Christianity's roots come from. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the very early days, the Gnostics were just another group who had their own ideas of life and how things started and why things are the way they are. So knowing that, it's also the fact that the Gnostics themselves had they, they they also didn't agree on everything and so mm -hmm. you also had some that had sort of one kind of 
view on things and another group that had another different or a different view on things. And over time, being exposed to more religions than just Judaism, Christianity, um, they eventually uh, got exposed to, you know, people from further east, got exposed to the Egyptians and all that stuff mixed, that stuff all mixed up. And it affected all the religions that were growing or cults that were growing at that time. It's just that not mm -hmm. all of them made it, right? Mm -hmm. And when Christianity made it, what they did was, because for them, the Gnostics were heretics, okay? They, 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 what they were uh, preaching was a heresy, meaning it was against what they felt was the true word of God. And so they were considered heretics. And what the Christians did was destroy every bit of Gnostic thought or teaching that they could find. They tried to stamp it out and wipe it off of the face of the earth. And by this time, the Christians were obviously powerful and, and had a foothold on, as a religion. And over, you know, however many hundreds of years, probably, they managed to pretty much write the Gnostic whatever beliefs into the history books. Right. And it wasn't until uh, fairly recently, I think it was in the 40s, I think it was in the 40s, 1940 something, that some wandering tribes people found some Gnostic texts buried in a cave somewhere in the Middle Eastern desert. This is like the kind of stuff you see in a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. So when these guys, when these Gnostics were being, you know, persecuted and their stuff being burned and destroyed, some of them took some of their texts, put them in clay jars, went out into the desert, found a cave, and buried them. And that's where they stayed for near 2,000 years until wow. we found them some 60-odd years ago. Hmm. And this is what's known today by the Gnostic Gospels or the Gnostic texts. And these are texts that obviously never made it into the Bible that we know of today because, well, they were outlawed, right? But they're seen as texts alongside or, you know, stories alongside some of the stories that we have in the Bible today. And what's more interesting is that when you read some of them, you see that some of the things that, that we find in the Bible today have their roots in some of the texts that were found in the place was called Nag Hammadi, in Nag Hammadi, these Gnostic texts. Mm. And so, again, I'm kind of <laughs> trying to give you enough background just to show that not everything that, you f that we find or understand about Gnosticism is going to be easy to, to sort of grasp. We've had a lot of years where, where this, these, these uh, texts were basically dead to the world. Uh, we've had a lot of stuff destroyed um, by the Christians themselves. We've had the Gnostics themselves split off and, and sort of mutate into sort of different versions and different ideas, you know. And today we have the Internet which <laughs> gives us all this stuff at the palm of our hands or at the tips of our fingers with a little uh, spice on the side thrown in of, you know, conspiracy theory and, and, um, and just plain made up shit.
So it's a it's a difficult thing to dig through and and you know wrap your head around. But for, I also found it super interesting, especially the main the main tenet of of Gnostic thought. You know, if you if you strip away all this, the, the different thoughts in Gnosticism themselves and the different branches, they do have at least uh, two very core um, beliefs. So I'll turn to, it over to you. To <laughs> me, that begs the question, what if Constantine gravitated towards Gnosticism versus Christianity? What world will we live in uh, today? Yeah, a uh, very, very different one, I would assume. And it's interesting that Christianity played out the way it did. And if you do believe, you know, when we look at its origin, its inception, that it started with the Romans, it basically boiled down to one person choosing left to right. And that's kind of what we, or what some of us uh, live by and and go by um, today. So... There's a lot of a lot of interesting things. One thing that I found um, in looking into this cynic was the um, the Gnostics believe that they truly knew God personally. So if you really want to know God, you have to go through them. When you think about something like that, you can understand why Christianity tried to, you know, burn anything that had to do with what the Gnostics believe, whether it been texts or scrolls or you know findings you know anything that that um could um have somebody learn more about where they're coming from and their beliefs you know the christians went and and obviously wanted to wipe it off the face of the earth until we found the 1940s as you just said some old texts that were in a clay jar you know um when you listen to things like that it's okay you can kind of see it but is that christian like you know like I think we should all be able to have a voice, right? Um, and and I don't know if I don't know I don't know if taking that route to silence a certain group of people is is Christian like is God like I I don't I don't see that. Uh, you mm. know what I mean? I maybe maybe I'm wrong there, but I don't think God would want that. I think God would want anybody to be able to come to the table and say your piece. I think if there's anything that's muting you or saying, hey, look, or suppressing, you know, kind of how you think and how you believe, and I don't know if that's, you know, uh, holy-like, mm-hmm. if that's even a word. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves, right? Um, and it's going to sound like we're picking on Christianity because Gnosticism... We're not. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, it's not... Like any religion, really any group that comes into power, eventually abuses that power right and so and they'll do whatever government. they sorry <laughs> i said government <laughs> yeah and they'll do whatever they have to do to maintain that power right and uh it's no different than like what the romans were doing to the christians right the only thing is the romans gave people actually a lot of leeway to believe what they wanted Nevertheless, mm. though, what you believed in couldn't infringe like on the, you know, the things they wanted you to do or believe in. If it did that, you know, then you would have problems. And if you were out preaching that, you were going to really have problems. And so there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, but you see it also played out like even in modern day, right? Uh, 
I mean, you have, you know, this constant. Um, take the Jews and the and the and the Arabs. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Jews have been treated like dirt since day one, right? And so they know absolutely what it is to suffer and what it is to be persecuted and what it is to be. You know what I mean? And mm. today they are a powerful state. You know, with the backing of a more powerful, corrupt state. Yes, I'm talking to you, U.S. And now they've turned around and they're basically doing the same thing to the Arabs. Right? Mm-hmm. Persecuting them, not letting them go into their, you know, lands, tearing down their um, the, the houses they've built because they're on lands that they say, you know, belongs to uh, Israel or whatever. So it's a big ass cycle and everyone just just everyone does it. Right. And that's unfortunately nothing new. Right. But I, I think to your point regarding uh, Christianity, yeah, I, I I don't think it's it's Christian like. Um a lot of what the church has done is not Christian like. Look at the the Crusades. Hmm. And so you can convince people yeah. to to do anything in the name of God, right? Uh, what I personally really find interesting uh, from the Gnostic thought is what you mentioned in terms of uh, having sort of a, you, I think you said it as a personal relationship or personally knowing God. Yes, that Gnostics believe that they truly knew God personally, personally, in a more intimate level. Yeah, and so a really good example of that is so the word gnosis. We said it means knowledge in Greek, mm-hmm. right? But one of the things that one of the handicaps that we have in the English language is that the English language, in the modern form, is a language that doesn't express a lot of things. Like, like I've learned here to speak German, right? And German has so many goddamn words because they, they have a way to describe like practically anything and everything, even some emotion yes. that you didn't even know you had. Soda pop is kumsensaks <laughs> in German. You're like, dude, it's two words, but yeah. <laughs> um, and and it's the same with the word knowledge. So we know knowledge as we have one word for knowledge, right? In German. Uh, but not only in German, it also um, it's also in other languages. Um, I think in French, it's the same. They have two ways of distinguishing knowledge, right? You have, in German, you have a knowledge that you acquire from like books or from stories or from, you know, talking with someone, you know, you acquire it sort of secondhand. And so that's, there's that knowledge. And in German, the word for that is Wissen. So you know something, you've mm-hmm. learned something, right? But what, there's another knowledge and there's the personal knowledge, something that you personally experience. So you didn't read it in a book, right? And you didn't, you weren't told a story or whatever. Um, and when you, when you learn something that way, it's a personal knowledge. And so you know it personally. And that word in German is kennen. And so... Maybe in, maybe in most of our day-to-day lives today, that difference doesn't really matter, right? But we're talking about things that are very, very subtle, um, especially when you're looking at these old texts that were originally written in like Greek or Aramaic or whatever. Mm-hmm. They had a very different way of communicating things. Um, 
And so that is one of the things that interests me so much about Gnosticism, that it's about a personal knowledge, a personal understanding, which means you have to go into it. It isn't enough to just read a book or search on the internet as we would do today, you know, or, or watch a video. And that means something to me personally. You know, I should say that because this speaks to me and I think there's plenty of things out there that speak to different people different ways. But since I was young, this is this is something that I didn't know existed, Gnosticism. Um, yeah. But I knew once I read about it and and sort of familiarized myself with it, that this is closer to anything that I've found, including Christianity, to my personal understanding or feeling of life and how I perceive it and what I think makes sense to me. That being said, they do have a, you know, a lot of stories <laughs> that are still just as far-fetched as, um, as walking on water. Yeah, I, I can definitely see where you can make those, those comparisons um, as far as kind of some things being outlandish. Um, some of the interesting things that I found about, you know, the Gnostics is that they think because the world is so messed up and corrupted, it was created by a messed up and corrupted God. Now, man, look, this is getting, <laughs> this is going to, this is a gut check right here, right? Because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, somebody who's very spiritual. I'm a believer in relationship and not necessarily religion. Okay. I, I think that um, religion is man-made and like the game Telephone, Right. There's no way that you're going to tell me that from where this thing started to where we are today, we have all the facts. I think people in that point in time had a very important job. You know, people, they, they had they had kind of a job where right, we're going to go ahead and write a book that's going to map out humanity. And we're going to make sure that, you know, and there's a lot of good things in the Bible. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to come off like I'm, you know, I'm not um, in line with some of the things that I've read in the Bible. But then there's just a lot of things that are just left field to me. And and one of the things that I had um, issues with when we were raised in the U.S., right, um, behind Christianity, even though, you know, our parents were Catholic. And I remember going to San Lázaro and La Corintinueve and Hialeah. <laughs> um, and kneeling down and, and doing the whole Catholic thing, I don't think that I can really say that I s had a connection spiritually until I went to a Christian church, you know? Um, but then even while I was kind of figuring, you know, figuring myself out, I even remember considering being baptized at one point in time. And I, I went to my mom and I told her, and I was like, hey, look, I, I think I want to be baptized. And she goes, well, you know that we're Catholic, <laughs> you know that we're Catholic, but if you if you really want to do it, I'll support you because it's of God, you know, and it's just a perfect example to how people and even back then um, kind of view religion like it's what side are you on, which for me is so right right there. If, if we're drawing a line in any part of the sand, then how is this religion for me, you know, mm -hmm. um, but then getting deeper into Christianity, um, I was told that I couldn't question certain things and things were a certain way just because they were that way. You know what I mean? And it's uh, and, and even questioning in a way is disrespectful, you know, and 
I I always was conflicted by that because I was like, well, I don't know because I know that God put this in me, right? Or or whatever I believe my higher power is, right? Put this in me. And if he's putting this conviction in me and he's, and he's making me see things from a different light and you're telling me to close my eyes or shut my mouth, I, I can't rock with that. You know, I, I can't see how that's of God in itself. You know what I mean? Um, so then when you come across, again, um, they think because the world is so messed up and corrupted, it was created by a messed up and corrupted God. You know, when you, when you, there's certain questions I don't think we're ever going to have the answers to, Cynic. You know, like why children are abducted and murdered, why rape happens to women, why rape happens to certain men, you know, the murders, the things that you see. Like, I don't, there's, I, I, I can't grasp, I can't put my head around, right? I'm, I'm a too, I'm too simple of a being to actually understand why these things happen. But I've always said when I get, and if I get to the pearly gates, the first question I'm going to have for my higher power is why do certain things happen? in the world? Why do good things happen? To, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, and when you look at that line, you know, when you look at that, 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 uh, the line I just read that, um, that quote that they think the world is so messed up because it's corrupted, uh, created by a, a corrupted God. It's like, man, like, again, I'm not saying my higher power or, or what I believe in is corrupted, but I can see, I can understand that that makes more sense to me than shut up, close your eyes and just believe what you're reading. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that speaks to me more than what I was kind of fed when I was younger, and I thought it was ver- really really interesting, man. Because I can I can relate to that in some sense. I don't know. Yeah, so I I totally understand your point of view. Um, I grew up thinking many of the same things you did. We were just a few years apart. <laughs> um, Six years to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I had a lot of the same thoughts, right? And and that is something that I kind of took with me even once I left uh, and joined the military and uh, was on my own for the first time and got a chance to actually sit down and think about these kinds of things. Um, and I agree with you 100%. I mean, that whole sort of patriarchal way of putting the hammer down and deciding, you know, who is right and who is wrong and excluding everyone else because we know the truth that I don't, it's never sat well with me and I don't understand how it sits well with anyone, to be totally honest. Mm. If you, if you have even a little bit of an open mind and you enough, to I ask think the people question. always, yeah, I think people always want something to believe in. And that, that's why I say that kind of the job they had of making sure that humanity wouldn't go to shit was an important one. And I understand they had to they had to come up with a way. You know what I mean? I don't want to go too far off topic here, but homosexuality is a perfect example. Right. Um, in, in the Bible, it says that a man should be with a woman and, you know, any act outside of that is, you know, devil like and so on and so forth. We, we know how, how that works and how, where that goes. Um, I have a lot of homosexual friends. I have a lot of dear friends that are homosexuals and lesbians. I know these people aren't evil. You know what I mean? So my thing is, just like I said, you know, in the game of telephone where there's no way that we got it right with all the time that's passed. Um, I, I, again, in order for the human race to, to carry on, we actually, we obviously need a man and a woman. So I can understand why they were so concerned about making sure that eventually we would just mate with our own sex and not be able to carry on the human race. But what, what happened there and the way they did it is I don't, again, if it's not 
if it's not coming to you from a higher power, but now you're just putting your fingerprints into this, right? Because again, you feel like you have a certain responsibility. Now you have a lot of gay people, homosexual people, lesbian people uh, that, that don't want to find a relationship with God because they feel like they're not wanted, you know? And again, for me, that's like, man, God is love, you know, God is love, you know? And, it, and if you are this way, then I believe God created you that way. So how are we going to have a certain set of people saying that if you you were born this way or if you became this way or if you are this way, whatever the case may be, that you're damned to hell? You know, it's, it's shit like that that started making me feel like, you know what, you really need, you really need to start looking into what you're ingesting, right? Because, uh, you know, there's certain things that are already kind of rubbed me the wrong way and Maybe it was the way I was brought up, maybe because I was, you know, so open uh, to to the people that I had around me. I never really cared if you were cool or not, just as long as you were a, a good person, a good soul. I was able to relate to you, you know, um, and in that I was able to find I, I wasn't shutting off any potential relationships. So if you were gay, black, Chinese, you know, whatever the case may be, I was able to find a connection with you if we had some similarities. Right. Um so, yeah, man, that's my rant, but it's uh, very, very interesting coming across some of the things I came across looking into this. Um, and yeah, man, it's pretty cool. I think that's a good point to start getting into this a bit deeper and actually talking about uh, what are what is it that they believe? Uh, how did that look? Let's do it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So really quickly. You know, like I said, they the the Gnostic thought, Gnostic philosophy has mutated a lot over the years. Um, mm -hmm. From what we know today, it started in the very early days, as I said, uh, when when you had Judaism was already around, but it, Christianity was early days cult like, and there were probably many other uh, religion or pre-religions floating around. The Gnostic thought was one of them, and mainly it was. These were people sort of of the Jewish faith, uh, maybe a few others as well, but I think they made up the, the majority uh, of, of the people who, who sort of believed and followed Gnostic thought. And in the early days you had, it's disputed, but in the Bible there is someone called Simon Magus or Magus. Um, mm. This is actually in the Bible that we know of today. This person is referenced. There's an argument about whether or not he was the father of Gnosticism. So there you go. Some experts say he was. Some experts say he was not. That um, that the church later said he was because they wanted to make him look, put him in a negative light. Um, but that being said, so Simon Magus was... Uh, potentially the first uh, person to sort of put together these thoughts in a form that was called Gnosticism. And this was back then known as a Syrian cult, not a Syrian, but a Syrian cult. Um, and mm. they believed in sort of the dual, du dualistic understanding of, mm -hmm. let's say, creation and life. And I think you're going to talk about that in a few minutes. And then there was the... So on the other side, there was, so next to the Syrian cult, there was the Alexandrian cult. And this was mainly pushed by an Egyptian Christian named Basilides, or Basilides, however you pronounce it. 
and their their thought, their understanding or beliefs was more in a pantheistic instead of dualistic. That means many potential, you know, gods. And that split is what has inevitably come down to what we have today, which is a really, it's a mix of kind of a lot of different thoughts, some of which include, probably most of which today include Alexandrian sort of forms of Gnosticism, but still have, uh, if you, depending on what type of Gnosticism you're reading about, you'll still find some from the Syrian cult, from the Simon Magus, the dualistic um, thought or idea about uh, the creation. But what's Mm -hmm. interesting is that the Alexandrian cult is what produced a lot of the things that we know of today as Egyptian Hermeticism, Oriental occultism, Chaldean astrology, Persian philosophy. I mean, these are, if anyone is interested in this, they will know what, you know, what those things are, or they would have at least, at least heard about that or heard about them. Uh, hermet- hermeticism is another super interesting topic for me. And it was interesting to find out that this grew out of sort of the, the Alexandrian version of, of Gnostic thought. So in Alexandria, this is where East literally met West. This is where you had this melting pot of ideas and religions from Jewish faith to Orientals uh, faith coming from the East to the Egyptian putting in their, you know, spice in there. And so a lot of the Gnostic thoughts that we come, uh, that we know about today actually come from there. But I think because it's so mixed and so muddied, the easiest way to sort of think about this is to sort of wind, whittle it down to what are the core beliefs that both, if not all, of these Gnostic forms or Gnostic schools follow. Hmm. So basically, the core beliefs of Gnostic thought or the Gnostic schools, uh, if you strip away all of the stuff that came later from all of the additional people who put their fingers into it the core belief is two things right first the first and and most fundamental form of knowledge uh, for them is and this is what they call the good news uh, concerns the divine nature of our own essence which the belief is the original source the, the creator of everything the original light from whatever that source was their belief is that within us is a spark from the original light. Okay? Hmm. And then the second part of the of Gnostic belief, which you can see as maybe bad news, <laughs> is that that spark that's in us, that spark of light is subject to the influence of external dark forces, right? And in the exile of matter. So imprisoned with, within the, the body, you can, you know, within this body, it's betrayed by the external senses. Yeah. So the demon, the demonic stars sully and bewitch the divine essence of one's own nature, in order to prevent a return to the divine home. Uh, long story short, we have a spark. You know, we have this within us, but everything around us, starting with the body that in, that encapsulates this spark to everything that we see and live in, all the material things, they're all there to trick us, to keep us from 
learning about ourselves, about that spark and trying to um, improve ourselves to make it back to the, you know, to origin. Instead, mm. these things keep us in some sort of a uh, sleep state. Imprisoned is a big word you will hear in Gnosticism. The body is sort of a dungeon, right? And this planet is it's like a prison. This is what they believe. Because all of these material things serve to actually keep us asleep, tricked, confused, whatever it takes to keep us from knowing what we really are and letting us work on getting back to the to 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 original source. And, uh, and understanding our power yeah there there's some people that believe that you know the life that we live you know the everyday life that we live that this is hell mm -hmm. and the afterlife would be you know your your kind of reward to that it's interesting cynic because I had one of my very good friends over uh, maybe about a month ago before this whole, maybe a little over a month now because this pandemic has been going on um, for about a month or so, a little more. But um, just just what you said there really triggered a memory. And I just want to bring this to the people and I want to bring this kind of to your attention to see what you think about it. Um, me and him were sitting and we were talking and, um, you know, just about some projects that I have coming up and you know, um, how, how he can, you know, become part of them if he was interested, so on and so forth. And uh, before we got into that topic, though, we were talking about DMT and ayahuasca. And um, I was explaining to him how at first I was always kind of put off by that because, uh, you know, I, I just didn't really see it as holistic and I'm more of a, you know, all natural kind of guy, if you will. And um, I think that was just lack of knowledge because once I started kind of learning more about it, I really started you know, gaining more interest in possibly trying it. So um, I, I brought it up to him. I f forget how it initially came up, but he told me, hey, man, I've, I've done it. I've, I've, I've been there, you know, and so I, I'm like, man, I don't know if this is taboo or not, but wh what was your experience like? You know, and, you know, I don't know if you're not supposed to ask that because everybody has a different experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but he was he was more than forthcoming. And one of the things that I remember he told me is like, man, we're all gods. We're, we're all of us, we're gods, and we all have the power to be what we want to be and do what we want to do. It doesn't matter if somebody is suffering with addiction, alcoholism, um, you know, anger issues, um, infidelity issues, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, shortcomings you may have, you know, whatever demons you're fighting with, right? You always have the power to shift your life and change it, but we're so consumed with what we can see and what we can touch. We're so consumed by this world that we see around us that we forget who we truly are and what we really, the, the power that we really can possess. And that's, you know, things like that is what's always kind of, not always, because I, you know, remember I did say at the beginning, I was kind of turned off by it, but things like that are what kind of started making me think, man, I'm, I know I'm a spiritual dude. I know... I understand that there's more than the physical world. I that I believe through and through, you know, and kind of this is part of my journey of of where I am today in, in my beliefs. Um, but when I hear something like that, and I hear kind of how the Gnostics believe, where we have that light, we have that spark, but we're kind of being not tricked, but we're um, being distracted, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? 
by what we see and we're kind of losing sight of who we are and the power that we really possess, it brings me back to that conversation. Part of, you know, that ayahuasca, you know, journey is spiritual enlightenment. You know, they say that for those 10 or 15 minutes, you transport, you're not here, you're in a different universe. I don't, I can't comprehend that because I've never done it, you know, but it's, you're not here. And when you come back, and I, and I, I remember saying this on, on a, a other podcasts that we had, you have something called the the death of the ego, mm-hmm. right? Um, where you're so much more humble, you're so much more in tune with with what's going on. You understand you're a drop in 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 an ocean, mm-hmm. right? Again, when when you say those things and and you say um, you talk about that spark, man, that really resonates with me because you know, I, again, I can I can see that, I can understand that, you know, that that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's I'm so glad you you mentioned that that you shared that story because this is something that when you're paying attention, this is another thing. Like we we live our lives focused on very a very small range of things at any given point in time. Most of us only focus on one thing at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you might not see necessarily or notice uh, all of the situations all of the opportunities um, all of the things that always come back to what we today know as Gnostic thought right Gnostic Mm. thought if you ask you know some father or bishop or whatever from the Christian church today uh, they'll just tell you it's a heresy. It's a heresy that continues to persist and, um, you know, we should get rid of it. But look, there's something to be said for a way of thinking that even though they tried to stamp it out, continue to persist. Even though it took a few thousand years for these texts to be found, they were found. And it resonates with a lot of people. You don't need some bishop to tell you these things or some father or priest or whatever to tell you these things because they resonate with you you feel it you know at at least i do right and what your Mm -hmm. what your friend experienced was exactly that and uh, he is by no means the only one right we know our you know one of our favorite podcasts joe rogan he talks about dmt and the dmt experience all the time right Mm -hmm. i've also never never Mm -hmm. had it never tried it but um I I would love to to actually experience something like that if the opportunity presented itself because oh we're going to do it bro we're going to go to the jungle with some with some <laughs> you know tribesmen do some ayahuasca we're going to we're going to go on a trip we're going to do some ayahuasca man for no sure. because i mean really th- this and and this is exactly what i mean with the focus right we are bro it's like being underwater we, we have so many things acting on us, starting with our own bodies. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have the, first of all, most of us don't even know. And even if we get on YouTube and try to figure out how to do it, you know, through either a meditation or some exercise or whatever, most of us are never going to, on our own, reach the point where we can actually step outside of our everyday lives and our everyday way of thinking and just totally disconnect from that and just experience what could be right in front of our face in in a completely spiritual way most of us won't do it most of us can't do it you know that's why dmt is is 
is such a interesting way that people are sort of reaching that. But but people have been reaching yes. these ways in many different forms. The mushrooms give you know they also put you in psychedelics. a different state. Yes. Psychedelics, yes, in general. Much, Thank you. Much more mild, but yes, still you're still tapping into that realm. You're absolutely right. And it's it's all it's you disconnecting from all this garbage. And once all that falls away, then the question is what do you see? What what are you seeing or hearing or experiencing? And most of the people who do it are telling you the same thing that your friend yes, told you. That's what's crazy. And DMT is actually a chemical that's released in the brain twice yeah. in your lifetime. Once when you're born and once when you die. Yeah. So you can understand why when you're able to tap into this and release this chemical, you know, why you can have a better understanding of what's going on. Because I would want to think at my, you know, when my time comes that I will have this rush of peace right and understanding and things are going to be okay right the physical the everyday most people fear death right that's something that i don't think any of us want to die right but i just think cer certain people are more comfortable with the idea of death than others you know for me i'm getting more comfortable i still don't want to see it anytime soon right but i'm able to understand that there's nothing to be afraid of and I think when you come out of those journeys, you're it's like, it's okay. And it's been known that people come out of that trip and they're like, I'm not scared to die. Like, I'm okay. I know I'm going to be okay. I, I know things are going to play out the way they need to, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But it's it's really intense, man. It's really intense. I never saw the connection between the two, you know, but I'm glad that, that we're talking about this, man, because... It's really raising some interesting questions, at least for me on my end. Absolutely, and and what what I was what I was one of the things I wanted to point out earlier when I started the last segment there was how narcissism or gnostic thoughts or gnostic ideas are around us all the time, and we don't notice it, even in the movies we watch. Right, I mentioned to you the other day about the Matrix. The Matrix mm -hmm. is. Like ninety percent Gnostic oh, thought. Shit, I never noticed that. It absolutely is. I mean, they oh, are shit. living in a false world. Wow, and that they're is crazy. and they're being and you know even the characters, right? Uh, Neo being the one, right? And hmm. the um, the guy who ends up being like the representative. You know, he's kind of like the Judas Morpheus? of the Bible. Switch, you oh, know, the one switch. who betrays them. Yes. Yeah? Yes, and yes, and now he yes. decides he decides he wants to live in not in the real world he wants to live in the matrix because he wants the even though he knows that all of the stuff in there is fake it's so real for him you know he talks about the juicy steak that he can I don't think that was switched now that I'm thinking of but yes it was that it was that guy that he was like oh the steak and the red wine yeah that dude yeah 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 yeah, yeah that guy but the point is the story um is is a gnostic story it has other elements also but i mean and, and you can go through and find it everywhere dude you can find it in et you can find it in uh freaking blade runner inception arrival all these films they all have stuff in there that is that comes from gnostic thought and do i think that these directors are all gnostics and trying to put this in their film no i think this shit is deep inside of us and it works its way out in different ways that not everyone notices if they're not looking, if they're not paying attention. But it works its way out. And 
one of my favorite um it's weird to say one of my favorite psychologists <laughs> this guy called Carl Gustav Jung he was a contemporary of of you probably heard of Sigmund Freud right the famous psychologist of course everyone knows Sigmund Freud mm -hmm. because Sigmund Freud went down the academic path the very scientific path to psychology most people don't know Carl Jung even though they were contemporaries and they even worked together in the beginning but Carl Jung studying psychology and and behavior and all these things as well he he was heavily focused in in the dream state and interpreting dreams and where uh Freud was someone who didn't give much attention to dreams in the sense that he didn't believe that what the dreams were saying or telling us were um were were necessarily important or relevant yeah he thought they were just the mind just sort of working the day out or whatever by spewing out nonsense Carl Jung took a different approach and he went into it and he saw that there were actual there was there were connections there was information being communicated hmm. but in a symbolic way not in a logical way right and so he went in this whole different direction bro and it it, it wasn't you know for the egghead scientists that wasn't good but if you are someone who's interested in gnostic thought his it, later on because he had some amazing experiences of his own without DMT yeah hmm. he would just have them um he he has plenty of books out there and when you read some of his later stuff bro it's he ended up at a point where he realized that all of the work he had done up until that point was pointing to the same or to very very similar things as gnostic thought you know and So for me that was just another confirmation that this is bigger than than we realize and mm. and it's permeates through through a lot more than we than we suspect you know even from within us I think It's deep man it gets deep it gets deep and the examples that you used as far as it kind of being all around us and even in movies uh it's it's crazy I remember um not to get too much into my personal life but i i not because of the pandemic but i usually work from home so i i was in <laughs> i was in a in solitary confinement way before this uh, ever happened but <laughs> when i was <laughs> when i um when i worked at the office before it, i you know got the option of being home it was always a joke of the office being the matrix and you're plugged into the matrix and you have to disconnect and so on and so forth it's something that was always being said by the employees kind of around um and i don't want to hang on to the matrix too much because i was just a fraction of what you just mentioned but that jumped mm -hmm. out to me because it's 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 so true you know it's so true and it really does breed you to think you know is there is there more out there you know are my eyes really open there's this this hashtag stay woke right um mm -hmm. be enlightened if you will and it all ties into that man i it, this shit is crazy to me i'm like mind blown because it's it's really tying into a lot of the things that i've already kind of been thinking and and how i you know i live my life man so it's really really dope. I do want to talk about and I don't want to get us off track too much here because uh, I think we're going down, down a good path. Um but I do want to talk about some of the uh claims that mm -hmm. that um 
the Christians say the the Gnostics <laughs> were about. There was this guy on the the Empiphanius of Solomon said the Gnostics are blasphemy. They were known as a filthy promiscuous uh, bunch holding orgies instead of church church services and eating babies instead of bread and wine. Uh, I want to kind of touch on that briefly. I don't think I don't think the eating babies things were true. What about the orgies? <laughs> <laughs> of course you would ask about the orgies. Do you think they were passing them around like hopscotch, dog? I just want to know. All right, look. Remember what we talked about at the beginning about the uh, histories written by the victor? Yeah. So take all that bullshit with a very big grain of salt. Okay. Because they, the Christians <laughs> the have no... The victor would be the Christians, right? Yeah, the, the, but yeah, this... be, yeah, because they're the ones who became the established religion, right? They have no... Uh... But the new Christianity, right? Because Gnosticism is an old form of Christianity itself. I just... Right. Well, I mean, right. I mean, well, the the person who who you said who who described the Gnostics, yeah, in your quote, right? This this was a a Christian, wasn't he? I assume, maybe I yes. should not have assumed that. Yes. Yeah. Right, and so a lot of what what those early Christians said, in general, but in this case, particularly about Gnosticism, is what the Christians of today use as. Um, proof of as, as part of their histories right and so when i say that you know history is written by the victors it applies to them as well in this case i think because they have absolutely no need to this describe the gnostics as a fun bunch or as a smart bunch or as you know in to speak of them in any positive light because exactly. they were con they were considered heretics, right? Yeah. So mm. the eating babies thing, yeah, they say know. the same thing. You can find the same garbage today about Masons. I guess that's the go-to way to try to turn people off of a certain path. They eat babies. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just it's garbage. Mm. So I don't I don't even need to entertain that one. The the orgies thing. So I I that is more easy to believe than the whole baby eating thing. Mm. But my my suspicion is that it's probably uh, something that was exaggerated or blown way out of proportion. What I will tell you, because I'm not here to defend Gnosticism, mm -hmm. is, like I said earlier, there are Gnostics uh, who have different thoughts and ideas, and it, it's it's been the same since the very early days, right? And the very early Gnostics, had, there were some who took the idea of the material world being evil to the extreme. And there were some who believed that bringing in new life into this world, meaning having a kid, having a baby, mm -hmm. a child, mm -hmm. um, was evil. What? Because, no, because they saw the material world as an evil place. And what they saw, what they thought of, what they thought was that if you bring a new life into this world, you're introducing another spark of God or, you know, from all from the origin into this prison body and bringing them into this, this materialistic um, evil world. And so you weren't doing any favors for that person. And so they saw procreation, some of them, as 
something to be avoided. But that doesn't mean that they didn't have sex. So what other sex do you have if you're not procreating, if you're not having procreative sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so <laughs> I could definitely imagine that they heard um, stories or things passed down where maybe some of those practices were described and whoever that, I can't remember the name of the person you quoted, but then this person comes along and regurgitates it as uh, orgies and or whatever other garbage. I mean, this is an example. You know, I'm not saying they definitely didn't have orgies. I, I can't say that. I don't know that. Mm. But I do want to point out with that example that they, there were some that had very sort of different ways of dealing with this idea of the material world being evil, you know, and, and the not, not procreating was one of them, you know, and it led them to do things different in different ways. <laughs> I heard, I heard two things. I heard, you know, from people trying to discredit, you know, Gnosticism that, you know, the baby eating things and, and, uh, the orgies thing. But then I heard that Gnost- Gnosticists were actually celibate. So I don't know, cause those are two opposite <laughs> I don't. I can't find the middle ground here. Um, I I don't know which one to believe. Um, but again, that's just a testament, you know, to uh, us not not really uh, being able to kind of believe everything that we ingest. We have to go deeper. We have to do our research to kind of make you know our own to come up with with our own a theory, if you will, of, of mm-hmm. what's going on. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I spend my time reading through Gnostic texts or reading or watching videos from this you know what I, the person I mentioned before, Carl Jung, mm-hmm. um, because uh, even though I won't find like not everything in there will I agree with or will I find necessarily speaks to me, the material in general speaks to me, and yeah, you know, eventually I hope that. I will be able to find some some way to go deeper into it, to go beyond the books, you know, and have an experience. I don't need personally to concern myself too much with what the other side is saying. Mm-hmm. And, and I say the other mm-hmm. side because that's where they put themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I really couldn't care less if someone wants to go to church on Sundays and worship and do whatever. But if they want to separate themselves because they think they know better, so be it, right? I I watched a video on YouTube of a bishop talking about Gnosticism. He did a great job to explain the early, the early, so the beginnings of Gnosticism. Um, and then he, you know, and then he went into whatever garbage, you know, he he wanted to to spread about Gnostics and and why they are considered uh, heretical. I don't need that. That doesn't bring me any further. So that kind of stuff, like what you found, I'm, I find it and I just keep reading. I just, I, I, <laughs> I, I keep moving. Like, you know what I mean? They have nothing to say to me, uh, the Christian religion or the followers of Christianity in the form that we know it today. Mm. To me, they have nothing to say. I hear you, man. Some of the things that I definitely gravitated towards in uh, looking into this was the dualistic anthropology. And yes. um, they basically believe that 
um, they sharply delineated between the material body and the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, again, tying into kind of what you were saying with that spark and, you know, we all have it, but we're so consumed with what's around us that we get farther and farther away um, from really kind of knowing who we are and the power that we possess. Um, and I'm again, man, there's one, there's something like that, that like shakes me to the core. And then I read something like orgies and eating babies. It's like, man, that shit sounds planted. This does not, this isn't, you know, this isn't on the same wavelength. <laughs> and I understand now why, when you come across it, you just fucking keep reading and you're like, whatever, dude, you know, again, you gotta, you gotta take from it what you will. But when I read something like that and I'm like, man, that, that I get that, you know, mm -hmm. and then I read orgies and, and the babies. I'm like, ah, I, I, and I don't you know, know so right much. away. Like you said, it yeah. sounds planted. You feel it. You feel it, man. You definitely do. You definitely do. Um, something else that I saw was pretty, um, pretty, pretty uh, dope is uh, that they valued the soul as something transcendent and harmonious trapped within a dirty, corrupted body. Yes. Um, I think that we're always looking to. I don't want to say everybody, but most of us, as, as we should, looking for healthier ways to live, looking for, you know, healthier things to ingest, whether it be Herbalife that you're ingesting, <laughs> whether it be the makeup that a woman's putting on, right? We're always trying to find ways to, you know, better our appearance, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully inside first and outside. But no matter what, we're always we're always looking to do that. Is that a peek behind the curtain, you know? within that you know are we peeking behind the curtain when when they say within a dirty corrupted body you know why are we so consumed with why are we so vain to a certain extent that we're so consumed with um the way people view us or what we see in the mirror that um we're losing sight of the in the inside work that we should be doing you know so when i read that i'm like man again boom that kind of really hits me because i can really I can really, really, you know, kind of relate to that. It really does speak to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had a thought when you were, when you were describing that with um, mm -hmm. the body and how we try to um, always make sure that we're you know, looking our best or, you know, eating right or whatever the case may be. Which I think it is a good thing. Right. But I, yeah, and I want to, you know, I'm gonna let you finish, like Kanye said. I'm gonna let you finish, but Beyonce had the best album in the world. I'm gonna let you finish, bro. I, I do think that's a good thing, but again, I, I just think that it should be done in a certain order. I think first we need to work on the inside, and then you know, because everybody likes somebody nice to look to, you know. But I, I I just found that interesting, and definitely wanted to bring that up. So here's the thing, like this, to use their words, this dirty and corrupt body. Yeah, <laughs> as dirty and corrupt as it is, we need it because it's our vessel here. We it's you, our vessel, you, yes. we can't live without it. Mm -hmm. And so, taking care of it so that you live long enough to find your purpose is a good thing, mm -hmm. no doubt. I can't say that that going to the gym five times a week so you have a buff body that you can then show off on Instagram is working towards that purpose. Negative. I think that's a different purpose. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, spending an hour and a half doing your makeup in front of the mirror is probably also not towards that purpose. Definitely not. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. This is what I thought about when you were describing all that. Mm -hmm. Three words. Whatever it takes. 
hear that. What I mean by that is whatever it takes to keep us in this state of unconsciousness, in this state of sleeping, dreaming, whatever, whatever it takes exists, whatever it takes to, to, to keep us unfocused exists. For someone, it might be the makeup. For someone, it might be the Instagram and and showing your body and you know all the time. I have a, a I have a friend who he's he's a great dude, you know. And when when we meet up and we get together, you know, it's nothing but laughs. But I mean, he's like one of the most vain people you've ever met. You would think if you see his Instagram, <laughs> because it's just a constant video shoot of himself at the gym of himself here, of himself there, you know, so, and I'm not saying I'm better than him, you know, he's dealing, it's, you know, from my point of view, he's got to work through some stuff, and that's <laughs> how he's working through it, I think, yeah. I don't know, okay. you know, and I have my own stuff, but um, my point that. is, whatever it takes, whatever distraction we need, it's here, you know, whether it's makeup, whether it's food, whether it's drugs, whether it's work, whether <laughs> it doesn't matter, bro. Because the material stuff, according to the Gnostic thought, is here for that purpose. And in that movie, The Matrix, again, for him, it was the freaking steak and not have to worry, not having to, you know, worry about... Eat that goop every morning. And... Eating that goop and running yeah. away from these, you know, these machines that were trying to get them. That's interesting, man. That's really interesting. I'm... And as you say that, just like, as I was saying... Um, you know, when I was speaking last, it kind of birthed you to to come up with the whatever it takes. And then you talk about distractions. It's funny because something that you know about me is that I'm very big into sports. And I remember us growing up and <laughs> us like sports. Going. You know it, but it's I love it because we're here and this is a great place. We used to watch sports together, man. There actually is a Michael Jordan documentary that they're playing tonight. That I'm very excited for was grow. I I I grew up a Chicago fan. You always liked the Knicks, but again, you know, sports was something that was real big in our household, right? Then you went, you went off, you you lived your life, and <laughs> you came back, and you're like, sports is a fucking distraction, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. We used to watch Patrick Ewing hit the baseline jumper and used to emulate that when we went to go play ball on the court. I couldn't really I couldn't really see what you were talking about, right? Today I can see where you know what you mean by that. I can see now it I still I, I, I still enjoy sports. Um <laughs> I because I do think there's a lot of good that comes from it. I think that, you know, when I look around, let's say in a bar. And we're all together and we're all having, we all have Miami Heat jerseys on and we're all cheering for the same thing. I see the unity. I see the camaraderie. I, I see the energy. I see the, the light in the room, you know? So, you know, I'm not going to stop watching my Heat, but I do understand that. And, and I say this because there was times that I wouldn't go out, Cynic. I wouldn't, if there was a Heat game, I wouldn't leave. Think about this. I would stop living my life to watch other men watch professional basketball, play professional basketball. You know, so 
I don't think if you tell me that, if you don't tell me that day sports is a distraction, I don't think I ever get to the point where I'm going to be like, well, I'm going to DVR this and I'm going to go to dinner. I'm going to go watch this movie. You know what I mean? I'm going to go live my life. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and kind of be distracted by it. So sports is another good one, man, that I think kind of ties into that where, you know, you got to think, you know, there's some diehard fans out there. I'm a, I'm a huge UM fan. I have season tickets, you know, so I guess I fall under that <laughs> that realm of being a diehard fan. But I think I'm a fan with enlightenment. I can say that, you know, I'm not completely lost on what's going on. I understand that. Yeah, this might be here to distract us. Sometimes we need a distraction, though. But I don't want it to distract me to the point where I'm completely disconnected from reality and what's really going on. So I just thought it was a perfect opportunity to kind of segue that in there, being that we were talking about distractions um, mm-hmm. and yeah, pers- I mean, personal I've, story, you know. I've been to sport, to sporting events, you know, games. Um, concerts are kind of similar. Um I've been also at places where we're watching, where everyone's watching the game. Yeah, here the big thing is soccer, right? So, the World mm-hmm. Cup um, a few years ago was here in Germany, and the atmosphere is intoxicating. Mm-hmm. And I can understand wanting to go to the bar where all of the other fans, you know, where mo- the majority of the people there are fans. You know, and people are cheering and they're in a good mood and they're happy and whatever. I I totally get that. I, I totally get that. And from time to time, you know, I I wouldn't have anything against going to one myself. Mm. Um, when I said that sports was a distraction, you know, I was I meant as you like as you described it when you when you said you wouldn't go out. Yes. It's when it starts to interfere with the rest of your life or even the important things of your life. Um, And it keeps you from dealing with stuff because you're just focused then on that. Mm -hmm. Or when you spend so much energy on... And here I'm going to be a hypocrite because I'm not into sports, but I have my own thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I spend way too much time playing uh, video games. (laughs) But and, and that's my distraction. We all find a distraction there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and and of course there's a but. Yeah. I I I can shut it off and and I some you know I sometimes have this moment of realization when I realize okay this is it's getting too much and I'll shut it off and I won't play for a while, you know, mm-hmm. or I'll just shut it off for the day and then go you know spend time with the family or whatever. With sports, what I found and and I guess the same thing exists with games and, and then I'll stop. We can move on to the next part. But oh, yeah. it's, you know, it's this, these people who they know all the players. They know what they did last night. They know <laughs> when they got traded and when they're going to yeah. get traded. They know their stats. They know how much they're getting paid. They have all of the jerseys. They're going to, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is like, it's yeah. like everything else. It's, it, it's to, taking it to the extreme. Yeah. I and that. that's the kind of stuff that I saw. And I was just like, dude, I can't get down with this anymore. I know already, like I've seen already so much more. This doesn't do it for me anymore. Yeah. And yeah. and I say that because at the time I had just come, you know, back from being overseas and whatever. But yeah, there you go. The beautiful thing about that is growth, right? That's a testament to your personal journey, right? And like, like you said, you know, <clears throat> not that you're any better. You know, you're really into video games. You find yourself investing a lot of time into 
you know, I, I was, I still am, I, I call myself a gamer, but like you, it was gaming and sports and it was, ah, I was just gluttonous in, in the sense of just, you know, I don't know what I was running away from, man. I don't know what I wasn't trying to face, but I was just so into like anything that would kind of get me away from the reality, mm-hmm. you know, not that I, I've always had, I mean, a pretty good life, you know, so I can't say that I was... You know, I had a bad life or anything. You know, I've always had fun. I've always done things that I've enjoyed, you know, from making music to teaching, you know, high school kids. And, you know, so again, I I didn't have a bad life, thankfully, but I was always doing things to kind of like unplug, you know, whether it be work because I was working 14 hour days or um, whatever the case may be. And then even gaming to a certain extent, I've taken, I think once I started seeing that, yo, you know, like, it's cool. You know, again, I'm always going to, I was first an athlete. So I think for me, it's different when I watch basketball, because besides dunking, I can never dunk. I can do a lot of things that these guys are doing. You know, I remember working on my job, so spin move, baseline, floater, left hand, you know, I I, I was a jock before I was ever a musician, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm always going to like sports. I don't, I don't think that's ever going to leave, but it was just, again, there's this aha moment, right? There's this moment of, of enlightenment that I think comes in. And when that happened, I play less video games. I watch, you know, I wasn't, not that I watched less sports, but um, I would reschedule <laughs> less, you know? I remember, yo, straight up, um, I was at work and my boss, which I don't mind that I left because, you know, corporate America, it's, it's fucked up, you know? But... My boss, long story short, was like, hey, can you stay do overtime? And I was like, nah, bro, there's a heat game today. <laughs> and legit, you know what I mean? I legit <laughs> left the money to go watch the heat, you know? And he's like, yo, can you just record it? I'm like, nah, whatever. And I ended up doing it. Now today, I wouldn't do that. I would just record the game, you know, and I would stay in work, you know? But again, in my defense, back then, I was working 14-hour days. And it's like, yo, if I'm here from 7 a.m. and it's 8 p.m., you know what I mean? Like, let yeah, me go watch yeah. this freaking... That's what I was saying. Like, yo, I was here from 7. You want me to stay till 9? Like, come on, dude. You know, like, no, I'm going to go drink a beer and watch the game. You know? But, again, that kind of sense of enlightenment kind of shifted the way, um, you know, the way I was kind of receiving information and information and the gluttonous form and I was doing it. But, yeah, man, we all have our distractions. You're absolutely right. I just try to, you know continue growing and stay stay enlightened man not uh not lose focus yeah, complete focus and, and they never stop yeah they never stop and even when you when you you have a phase in your life when you're really into this, you know spiritual things and you're focused on that and you're you're trying stuff you're reading stuff uh the world always pulls you back always pulls it, you back. it's crazy man i'm into meditating now um, it's actually a practice that I've known my students at the high school level. Um, for, for those of you that don't know, I did spend <laughs> more than half of my life um, teaching competitive marching band. And it's a big part of who I am. And it's a technique that I've actually implemented with my students in the past couple of years. And I've, I've, I really can say that I feel like it did help them. It did help them kind of get to that next level. But a big part of of meditation is blocking out the distractions. You know, it's mm-hmm. clearing the mind, even though it's very hard to do. Um, it's kind of being in the moment, it's sitting there, it's being still, it's being tapped in. And like you just said it right now that there's always going to be distractions. You're absolutely right, man. There is, you know, from small things on the everyday, 
uh, f- sorry, from small things on a small scale on a day to day, like you trying to get your work done and you keep getting text messages, you know, and phone calls mm-hmm. to bigger things on a much larger scale. You know, uh, you're absolutely right, man. The distractions are always going to be there. Um, but it's just it's blowing my mind to see how it all connects. And I never knew that Gnosticism had <laughs> was the root of all of this, man. You know, like I'm fucking blown away right now, man. This is really cool. It's really fucking enlightening to see that a lot of things kind of connect in, in a way. Maybe I'm, I'm making them connect. I don't know. But I can make a lot of connections from, uh, you know, kind of how I'm living my life to, to what we're talking about. There, there's, a lot, there's a lot of arguments like that, too, especially from the scientific community where they'll say we're making connections and where there aren't any. Um, I don't know, go, man. Go a lot of it is feel, from... though. We spoke about that, right? It's not only the connections, because again, I'm trying to be unbiased here. I don't, I don't want to come in with a preconceived notion. I don't want to come in leaning left or right because now I'm not letting kind of the information do its work. But when I read something and I feel it, that's when it's different for me, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's not that I'm trying to make, you know, I'm really not coming into to anything trying to connect dots that I have you know, um, stocking, if you will, you know, I'm mm-hmm. coming in open-minded, dude, like, fuck it, let's see where we're at, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, and, and let's see, let's see what we get out of this, so, yeah, although I know I said maybe I'm making those connections, I take that back, man, because I, I really do, I really do let things kind of speak to me on, on a different level than kind of just, again, the one-dimensional physical realm, you know, I think when you read something and it shakes you in your core and you feel it, that's much deeper than what we can see and touch. So yeah, yeah for sure, you, you got to go with your gut in the end. Yeah, man, there you go. That intuition, right? Yeah, there, there it is. Exactly. Yep. So, um, do you have anything else that you wanted to share? I did want to touch up on uh, um, dualistic theology. Yes, I did want to touch up on that because. I found, again, some parallels between, all right, well, let me, let me go back a bit. So they also believe in dualistic theology. They believed in two gods, right? So the higher perfect God, which was the monad, the supreme being, the one, and we, we spoke about that with the relations to, to the matrix, which is why, again, poof, mind blown. And then the lower inferior, almost evil God, which is a demiurge, which is a lesser inferior deity, creator of the material universe. When you think about what we have in Christianity, where you have, or in even uh, Catholicism, you have, you know, heaven and hell, good, bad, God, devil, right? Mm-hmm. You look at something like that, and I'm like, boom, like, all right, you know, I can, I can see how this, I, for me, I just feel like this was a really raw version of Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like this was a very raw, uncut version of Christianity, and then it went and it morphed into something else, which is what we know today. And you can see certain parallels, you know, so they kind of took what they liked and they they left what they didn't like and they kind of made this new shit. Um, But again, man, when you think about the lesser inferior deity, the creator of material universe, again, that kind of I can kind of, you know, because this shit that we're living in is really complex, bro. The shit that we deal (laughs) with on a day to day is is insane, you know, so I can kind of like, all right, you know. I can kind of relate to that. I, I can connect to that and be like, well, you know, just like on the other side of that, there is a supreme being, there is the one, right? Just like I connect to that, and, and that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. When I read to, when I read that, that speaks to me as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Um, the you you mentioned the the monad and the demiurge, was it? The demiurge, yeah. So the demiurge plays a big part in what I have been reading up on lately, and specifically with the Gnostic texts. Um, I don't want to attempt to explain the origin story as 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 understood or believed by the Gnostics because it's it's a bit too complex for me, and I'm just gonna mess it up. Okay. But the what I can tell you, sort of in just a rough, um, in just sort of a rough depiction. Uh, they they do believe that there there was this origin which as you called it uh, the monad, um, and the story goes that this monad basically created um, well it's more described as emanations came from this monad as opposed mm -hmm. to creating um, they came from this monad um, different um, aspects which. In some places, they're called um, angels or archons. You, you'll find different terms uh, for, for these different aspects. But mm. the aspects were created always in, in two. And as the, I guess, as the story goes, the, um, the first two was, uh, was mind and thought. So I think I saw it somewhere described as um actually I won't even try. I'm gonna mess I'm gonna mess it up. But <laughs> mind was one and thought was sort of the counterpart, and then there was voice and name. And these are obviously the English terms, uh, not the original terms. And then there was reason and reflection. Um mind and thought, which was mind was known as nos and thought was known as epinoia. Um the story goes that from uh thought which is personified, another name you'll hear a lot in Gnostic thought, by uh, the name Sophia, uh, also known as knowledge, um, that in, in these very early, in this early, in this early stage, you know, in the beginning of everything, the, this, there was nothing physical in any of this. Yeah? Hmm. Um, thought, or Sophia, uh, wanted to create something on her own without her, let's say, other half. And in doing so, what she created was a, in some places you'll see it described as an, an abomination, a demon, an abortion. She created something on her own, so not with together with her other half. And with this thing that she created was what the Gnostics know as as the demiurge, mm. or a more ancient term, Yalba Boaz is what they called it. Um, and this deity, or whatever it was that, you know, this aspect that came out, mm. is what ended up creating the material world and creating it to, I guess, serve his own purposes or whatever. Yeah. And because it because this all came from him or from that let's call it that um which was already you know as i said an abomination it it was you know it it didn't come out from the the normal or let's say the natural process um it came out of this you know un 
unapproved way that Sophia uh, did it. And so all of that sort of, all of the aspects that come from being only half, because remember, she didn't use, she didn't uh, create it with her, her consort. She created it on her own. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was missing the, all of the aspects that it would need to, to actually be um, divine. And so it had all of the lesser aspects. And that's what it put into the material world. And that's where we live today. And this is why we have all of the things that happen. Um, not just, uh, so not, yeah, we have the good, but we also have the bad. And why we always end up asking ourselves why why would a god you know allow the kinds of things to happen that you described earlier in the episode and there's no you know and in trying to answer that question which we already know as you said we won't find the answer Mm -hmm. but this is how they came to the answer and that was this didn't come from the original the true original source this came from some abomination who had its own its own purposes and we are now suffering through it and our job is to find our way back that's deep stuff man that is deep stuff Woof. chills baby complicated so it's such a complicated topic um but it's it's the same yeah i feel the same it's deep and i feel something and it keeps driving me to 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 find out more you know and follow that man follow that intuition follow that gut you know it's all we have man um something else i want to mention the idea of afterlife therefore is for the soul to escape the body and enter the spiritual realm which i think we are kind of connected to mm-hmm. um because you know we've we've we're used to you know once you pass on, you you go on to to either heaven or hell, right? At the very young age, that's what you were taught. So, um, I think that's something that that we could relate to. And something else that I wanted to end with was just like we had dualistic anthropology, dualistic theology, we also have gnosis, which is the mystical, spiritual, and secret knowledge. And they believe that eternal life itself depends on that secret knowledge. Um, so you take that as you will. Um, Take it with a grain of salt. I'm not saying that they're that you know, Gnosticism or the Gnosis, however you you <laughs> want to say, have the key. You know, I'm just saying that be bold enough, be brave enough uh, to question things that don't sound right. You know, um, don't just follow something blindly. You know, if if there's some conviction in your heart, if there's some conviction in your soul, then seek. Just like. Like like for you, Cynic, where we just said, man, this is deep. And you're like, yeah, this is what really, you know, what drives me because I just feel like there's something more, man. Follow that. You never know where you're going to end up. Um, but again, I think if we could, you know, have that that outlook and that approach, man, you might you might be very pleased with, with where you end up with. And you might be able to see life differently. You might be able to, man, it, it, Going briefly, you know, about the ayahuasca and the DMT stuff, you know, it's been known medically to to um, solve and, and cure depression. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think depression, you know, and that's another topic that we will get into on another episode. But I think depression is it's something inside of us saying there's more. 
there's more to life and I'm stuck in this fucking rut and I can't figure it out. You know, and it doesn't matter if, you know, you're making $100,000 a year with a wife and two kids. Depression will still get you. Right? It doesn't matter if you're 30 years old working at McDonald's, living check to check. Depression can still get you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's deeper than the material. Because if if it if it was just based on the material things, then that individual that's making six figures six figures a year and living comfortably shouldn't ever be depressed about anything. But yet that person still is. Right? And just like again, that, that other individual that that might be living a harder life, um than than the other, it's is still plagued by that emotion, by by that demon by whatever you want to call it you Mm -hmm. know and i just think there's just that's that's the universe man that's something telling us that you know where we're where we are is not okay and we we need to do more soul searching we need Mm -hmm. to do more research you know we need to again be brave enough to stand out on that limb even if it's us alone on that limb and trust that you know enlightenment will come and we'll find our way man yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, brother. Spend time contemplating things other than the material. We need to do oh, a lot man. more of that. Good stuff, man. I want to. Good stuff. I want to end. Yes. With a got? quote. Mm-hmm. This was. I have a couple of quotes, but um, one of them is quite long, so I think I'll, I'll go with the shorter one. This was. From a monologue from a podcaster named Miguel Connor. Um, He was uh, on a on a he was a guest on another podcast that I listened to, and uh, they they quoted this uh, in the show where he was a guest, and I found it so good that I thought I would I would use it. I hope he doesn't mind. I'm I'm giving him credit. So (laughs) yeah, it should be fine. As long as you give him credit. Yep. So the the monologue um, goes like this. Uh, Sometimes the devil allows people to live a life free of trouble because he doesn't want them turning to God. This sin is like a jail cell except it's all nice and comfy. There doesn't seem to be any need to leave. The door is wide open. Till one day, time runs out and the cell door slams shut and suddenly it's too late. So I'll leave y'all with that. Mm. Dang. Doors wide open, people. Gotta walk through it. Just gotta walk through it, man. Sometimes that comfy, cozy state isn't enough. Man, that's... Yeah, that's deep. That's really deep, man. I like that a lot. And I think it was a perfect way to kind of, you know, wrap this up, put a little cherry on this episode. Whoa, man. I'm I'm woke. I'm woke, (laughs) cynic. I'm woke, baby. And now we'll go back to our regular lives and go eat garbage and watch uh, <laughs> sports and play video games. <laughs> nah, man. Hey, it's it's a process, man. You know, it's a process. I Absolutely. think you kind of gotta you gotta chip away at it. You know, it's not gonna happen overnight. It starts with something small like listening to a podcast that would get you thinking differently, or you know, having a sibling that tells you sports is a distraction. You know, thank you for that, man, because it made me think, what what did he mean by that? What am I, you know, at first I'm like, you're fucking crazy. D-Wade all day, baby, you know, but man, you plant that seed and, you know, again, you just, it's, it's a, 
it's a small step, it's a pebble creating a ripple in the lake, but you don't know how how far that ripple is going to travel, man. So it's for for those that are listening that may feel like I'm trash because you kind of go back to your regular life. Don't, man, you know, and I know you meant that in a jokingly manner, Cynic, but but for for the listeners that we do have, I just want to point that out. You know, um, it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. I'm definitely, you know, you know, my journey is ongoing. I haven't figured it all out. Uh, but I I like where I'm at, and um, and I, again I'm gonna keep following that intuition and that gut feeling, you know. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I think. That's I all mean, you can do, man. You, you, you chip you away up, at it, you know. You dust yourself off. You try again, even if you fail. I mean, you yeah. will fail. You'll fail a lot, and that's fine, as long as you keep moving towards the goal. Yes. And uh, follow your your instincts. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. I do want to bring up briefly, Cynic, and mention to the listeners that we are going to be uh, posting a YouTube version of this podcast pretty soon. Uh-oh. So I want to get the listeners excited about that. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh. You just made it real, bro. <laughs> yes, yes. So you're going to have different ways of being able to listen to this podcast, whether it be on iTunes, which we are officially on, uh, Spotify, um, and I don't Google wanna, Podcasts. Google, there you go, Google Podcasts Stitcher. or any other platform, Stitcher. But you're also going to be able to go on YouTube and, and see us as well if you prefer that. Well, I say see us, but I don't know. Cynic may have something up his sleeve. You guys are going to have to tune in to see. Yeah, um, but that's going to be. Gonna see me, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> that's going to be really cool, man. So I definitely want the listeners. Um, Kind of give him a heads up about that. And as always, go to Twitter, man. Hit that follow button and um, stay connected with us. Yeah. Check out our new logo. Let us know what you think. Oh, yeah. Dope. All right, peeps. Y'all take care of yourselves. Have a good one. And we'll catch you next week. Catch you on the other side. Stay woke. Peace. Cheers.